Learn how to build your faith in God's word and live a life of 100% victory 100% of the time. As you listen to the senior pastor, Davis Christian Center, Pastor Kingsley Okunkwo, and expect God's word to work for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Do we serve a living God? And do you love that God? Father, we just love you. We thank you. Thank you for being such a faithful God. Thank you for being a dependable God. We give you all the praise this morning. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worship. One more time, give him a praise this morning. Woo! Glory to God. Please take your seat. Hallelujah. Help me tell your neighbor, pull the plug. No, tell him well. Say, pull the plug. Okay, so for those that are just coming for the first time today, uh, we started a series this month. At the first Sunday, we did a poll where people were asked to text in, anonymously text in anything that causes them anxiety or stress. And um, as they were texting it, it was showing on the screen. And the more people that text a certain thing, the bigger the thing becomes on the screen. So basically, at the end of that survey, um, we found out that the major thing that stresses people is money. All right? That's why it's the biggest here. The more people text a certain thing, the bigger it becomes on the screen. So money became bigger. If you also check, on that big thing was career. On that one is work. On that one is business. Um, if you add all that together, that means that money would have been even as big as, as this. Praise God. So it means money is a, is a thing for most people. It affects most people's lives. All right? So, um, like I said, that's why I laugh most times when uh, critics of the church are always criticizing pastors for talking about money. But the truth is that money concerns people. People are bothered about money. So we have to teach about money. And Jesus Christ himself talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell. In his parables and stories and all that, there were more concerning money than there were concerning heaven and hell. It doesn't mean heaven and hell is not important, okay? I'm just trying to say that Jesus himself knew he had to address people's concerns. So, if you look again, the second biggest thing here is marriage. Marriage, and if you look on top, you see relationships. So, if you add that together, so that will be another very big thing marriage. So, today I'm going to talk about marriage, then next Sunday I'll talk about money. Okay, talk about marriage a bit today. Next Sunday I'll talk about money. Um, I want to also lay this foundation today that please realize that when God is saying, Don't worry, He's not just making a suggestion, it is actually an instruction. All right. God is not making a suggestion. He's actually giving us an instruction. Praise God. Your worry can stop God's flow or the flow of God's blessings into your life. When you stop worrying, God starts working. When you stop worrying, God starts working. When you stop worrying, God starts what? Working. 
So it's not just that we're telling you don't worry, don't worry just for the sake of it. It is a crucial part of you living your best life here on the earth. The more you worry, the less you see the flow of the blessings you should see. It is a thing. God didn't just say it all over the Bible for the fun of it. Throughout the Bible, God kept saying, don't worry, take no thought for your life, cast your cares, be anxious for nothing. It, it has implications. It has consequences when you worry. It is actually robbing you of God's best. God needs you to be still for him to walk. That's how, just, that's how, that's how the word of God works. He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still. If you are not still, you are going to scatter what he's doing. Praise the Lord. So, when you are worrying, you are robbing yourself of God's blessings. It's not just a suggestion. It is an instruction. And there is no instruction of God that is not important. There is no instruction of God that is not vital. Just because God didn't do thunder and fire doesn't mean that the instruction not to worry is not important. It is equally important. So, don't rob. When I'm saying, you, when God is saying don't worry, it's not just a joke. It is robbing you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. For some of you, that is the only thing stopping you from walking in the fullness of what you can walk in. You have to master how not to, how, how not to worry. And we've done that all through this month. Please get the messages. Listen to them. Start to train yourself how not to worry. It's not going to be easy because you've practiced worry for a long time, almost all your life. So yes, it will be hard, but it can be done. And it's necessary that it's done. Praise God. I told them in the first service, can they carry out a major surgery on you when you are awake? Is it possible to, to do an appendicectomy? If you have appendicitis, you do appendicectomy and they will remove your appendix. Am I correct? Okay, so if they have that kind of surgery, can you be awake when they are doing it? You can't be awake. You see, when you are worrying, you stop. In fact, there are many people here, God started something in your life, you got involved and spoiled it. Has it happened to anybody here before? If you are going to be honest, has there been any time something started in your life, you got involved and spoiled it? Let me see your hand. My own hand is up because I'm very guilty of it. The thing itself, you are not the one that orchestrated the miracle. It started totally outside of you, but you became supervisor general. You wanted to help God. You felt God was slow. Or he didn't know exactly what he was doing. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? It has happened to me a lot of times. That's why I know. That's why worry is bad. It stops the blessing. So you need to understand. Worry actually does something to you and to the flow of the blessing in your life. He said, be anxious for nothing. He said, take no thought for your life. He said, cast all your cares upon the Lord. It goes on and on and on like that. So you go for a surgery and you're awake. I, I, I see them sharpening the knife. They want to cut you. I know they don't sharpen knife, but that's just the idea. And you're looking at them that who the one cut with that knife? And you see them line up all the instruments. You're thinking, who, who the one used this thing for? And they take the knife. You see them bringing it to your stomach. What's the natural thing you're going to do? You hold the guy down. What do you want to do? Say, no, no, just small. One cut you small here. Even if they convince you to allow them try. How many of you, when you were young, you hated injection? Can I see your hand? You hated injection? To give you injection, they have to cut 10 people. Be honest. There's people here like that. The only God just told me that there's some people here like that now. 
that when they want to give you injection when you were young, they bring 30 people to hold you. <laughs> if you're like, at least you have one sibling like that. That injection is a major event. They call neighbors. Can they hold you? One person will hold your head here. Now will hold your hand. They'll spread you like this to give you the injection. So see how difficult it is to give that person injection. So imagine a full surgery and you are awake. You will, you will scatter it. Scatter it. And by the time they cut you small, they want to cut the hole like this. When they start here, and you, feel, ah! you say, I'm, I'm okay. Leave it. I'm, I'm even healed. It's not even paining me again. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. I told them the story in the first service of how in primary school I stepped on a nail. Those rusted, long nail like this, rusted one that has been in the sand for a long time. Stepped on it when we were running. Stepped on it. It entered from under and it was almost piercing. You could see it. Just one thing remained for it to come out. It was already showing like this up from under. It was paining me. When I saw it, I said, don't touch it. This is how I'm going to walk for the rest of my life. <laughs> because I was not going to go there. I said, don't touch it. I'll manage myself. It's not to walk. Am I not working? My brother, leave it out. I left the nail there and I was going to walk like that for the rest of my life. Until one guy, can never forget his name. You see, when people do you bad things, you remember their name forever. His name is Samuel. Can never forget. This is primary school, so imagine how many years ago this was. Primary school. So, I can never forget his name. The guy said, okay, he just wants to see it. That he won't touch it. Everybody move back. Nobody's touching it. That he wants to see it. So I said, okay, see it. The guy just pulled it out. Pow! I just died. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> Pulled it out. <laughs> you know, there are some things they do to you before the pain reach your brain, you go die. <laughs> because you want to avoid that pain reaching your brain. <laughs> you know, pain travels slowly. You know, it happens when you kick your leg or something. Not be that time you go feel them. You know, say the pain they come. You know, they say, eh. <laughs> it never reach you, but you know, say trouble is ahead. Because when you hit your leg, it doesn't come immediately. Same thing with slap. There's some slap, but they will give you. Bah! You go echo. You go say, who the slap? <laughs> now you, but you say, who? Who the slap? Because the, the sound go first go round before you come in. For the next, now you the slap. Now you. You'll come deaf for one ear. So this also. <laughs> so I didn't want them to touch it. That's exactly how it is. When God is doing something in your life and you are too active in it, you intercept it, you, you scatter it. Imagine if. Joseph was not relaxed. When they sold him as, when they put him in the pit, he would have tried to get out. He didn't know that he needs to be in that pit. When they threw him to Potiphar's house, he would have escaped. He would go back and share testimony. I escaped from your blessing. Go back there, my friend. So that's how, that's how we are when, when we are too active. God, Jesus is the author and what? The finisher of our faith. So he starts it, he finishes it. So when we say don't worry, we're not just telling you for fun. It's because it has repercussions. It has an impact. Okay. So today we're talking a bit about marriage because it's one of the biggest things on the screen. The concept of marriage, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. There's so much marriage and marital crisis today in the world. So much of it. It's going to become one of the highest paying jobs very soon. Because more people are getting married and more of them are coming out. Nowadays, for marriage to make one year is a miracle. 
One year. The way people freely say I'm done, it even shocked me. Say I'm done. I'm not doing it again. I can't handle this. It seems people are less and less tolerant and knowledgeable about what marriage is about. Divorce rates skyrocketing. Are you here, somebody? So it's a major thing. And the reason is because we have left God's idea and God's the maker, the maker's idea. Genesis chapter 2, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be what? Cleave unto his wife and they shall be what? I can't hear you. Let's read together. Everybody want to go. This, this verse of scripture is very loaded. First concept I want us to talk about is one flesh. That term or phrase one flesh simply means one person. It is a context, context and concept of what God wants marriage to be. One person. He wants two people to become one person. That word one flesh means one person. And it's a covenant term that means that two people are now joined. Inseparably joined. Inseparably what? Joined. This is the idea God had for marriage. That you leave father and mother, cleave to your wife, and become one. Leave, leave all other relationships, not just father and mother. All other relationships, they become secondary. Okay, it doesn't mean you abandon them. It means they become secondary now to this particular relationship. Your relationship with your siblings and your parents and your business partners and any other thing becomes secondary to your primary covenant, which is marriage. So they become one flesh. Very important. Now, God knows. Why did God want it to be a covenant relationship? It's because God himself is a covenant God. God is not involved in any relationship that is not covenant relationship. Is somebody get what I'm saying? A covenant is that inseparable agreement you have with somebody. It's, it's, it's even hard to describe the word in English. The closest people know about it in English is contract. A contract is very inferior to a covenant. So, God himself is not involved in any casual relationship. All the relationships God is involved with or has ever gotten involved with is a covenant relationship. And the reason is very simple. You don't really enjoy relationships except it's a covenant relationship. In a casual relationship, you want to depend... I'm echoing, guys. I don't know. I mean sound. I don't know what it is. And it's distracting me. So, in a casual relationship... You want to depend on somebody, but you can't depend on them. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's very frustrating. You want to rely on somebody, but you can't rely on them. So God wanted to solve that issue because he too is not going to try and uh, be casual. So every relationship God enters is covenant. From Adam, it was covenant. Move to Noah, it was covenant. Move to Abraham, go and check it. All of them, they cut covenant. So um, for instance, the one of Noah... Part of the covenant with Noah is the rainbow that we see today. Do you remember? Where God said, I will never destroy the earth again. And he entered the covenant with Noah. God, God doesn't just uh, do casual here in my party. No. The reason is because for you to enjoy a relationship, it has to be total dependence and total availability. That's the way to get the best out of every relationship. Covenant. And God moved on like that from Abraham to other people, David, other people like that. Covenant. God just likes covenant. He knows that's the best way to enjoy everything. So he said, human beings too, when you want to marry, let it be covenant. Now, in a covenant, part of the blessings and benefits is that you complement each other. Is there any married couple here? I need a volunteer. 
Married couple, can I see your hand? Anybody? Please volunteer. Volunteer now. You are here with your husband or wife. Raise your hand. Wow. You are ashamed of your spouse. Oh yeah, come now. You, so why are you wasting time? Come now. Come, why are you arguing? Come, my brother. Uh, clap for him. Why are you angry? Don't want to come out. Men can be somehow. Come on stage. <laughs> why don't you want to come out? This is the clap you are giving them. It's not easy because they are going to stand there throughout the service. So let's, be, let's encourage them now. So come, come like this, please, if you don't mind. This way, come. So the context is this. God wanted to stand beside her. God wanted two people to complement each other. Now, you will not, I didn't say she's tired, my brother. Calm down. Yours will be available here. So we wanted two people to complement each other. He knows that's the best way to get the best. So normally as a human being, as a human being, um, he has, which hand do you normally use? You're right, it's his right hand. He has a strong hand. So this hand you write with, you do most things with, right? If you want to slap somebody, it's this hand. <laughs> good. So for most human beings, they are good with this hand, then this hand is kind of weak. Am I correct? And that's how life is. Every human being comes with strengths and what? Weaknesses. That's just how life is. There are many people that go into marriage with, with, a, with a funny mindset that one human being is going to be everything that they expect. It's not going to happen, guys. This is why people jump out of marriage. I am done. Done to what? The way he's be. Of course, he has weaknesses. He comes with two hands. He comes with strengths, and he comes with weaknesses. In fact, that's why marriage itself was created, to cover up his weaknesses. She too comes the same way, with strength and weakness. You are right-handed too, Abby. She too comes with strength and weakness. So what God says is this. Um, okay, come this way. Um, I've forgotten your name again. Wumi, thank you. So, let's assume she is left-handed. Let's assume for this example that she is left-handed. That means her strong hand is her left hand. So her weak hand is what? Her right hand. Now, for normal couples that don't understand this thing, what they do is that they stay separate like this and they both keep complaining about these hands. So he is good with this hand. He's complaining that why are you not good with your own right hand? He's complaining. He didn't know that the reason why they joined them was because he is good in the right hand and she is not. Most times, the thing you are complaining about is what you are meant to compliment about. You do not understand. You do not understand. The thing you are complaining about is what you were sent to compliment that person about, to support that person with. So, the, what, what most couples do is that he's blaming her for all the things she can't do with her right hand. She's blaming him for all the things he can't do with his left hand. Meanwhile, the context of marriage is that they're supposed to be joined. When they're joined... Anything that is left hand in this family is from this side, and it is strong. They are one. Anything that is from the right hand in this family is from here, and it's what? Strong. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That's why they said two are better than one. They have a good reward for their labor. It means they will do more being together. Come and tie them now. So, they're going to tie you tight, and you will roll on the floor. Please, just cooperate. Thank you. Don't worry, my brother. You're done too late. From the day you stood up, you are in trouble. There's more ahead. We have more. You will not go see the frog jumps ever. Many other things. The problem plenty today. 
I'm joking, I'm joking. So, so this is what God wanted. He ties them, they become one flesh. So this whole middle doesn't even exist again. Doesn't exist again. They are now one. And they have only two hands now. Two strong hands. When, before they came, they had one strong hand, one weak hand. Now they have what? Two strong hands. God in his mind knew that if people com- connected together and complemented each other, the things that seem to be like weaknesses will become strengths. So, if this guy is good, better in financial management with his right hand and she is not, he does the financial management and they are fine. If she is not good, if he's not good with um, uh, fashion, for instance, even though he's a fashion designer, if he's not good with fashion, for instance, and she is good with it in her left hand, she takes care of the fashion of the family. I get what I'm saying. That's why if you check most homes <laughs> that understand this thing, they balance out very well. It's not every parent that can do homework. I don't, I'm not talking about time. I'm not talking about the time to do it. Some of you have not understood what I'm saying. <laughs> I see one homework with and give my big I say, go and meet your mommy. <laughs> go and meet your mommy before they disgrace all of us. I'm telling you. So, <laughs> so you will notice in, in every normal couple, they have some differences that helps balance it. But instead, most people complain about those things. Non, most homes, one person is a night person, another person is a morning person. You need to find the balance. It's not something to fight about. It's something to work with to find the balance. But instead, they complain. Because Mr. Morning, is, you guys have a morning and night, or both of you are the same people. <laughs> But in most couples, it's like that. Some people come the same, but I'm just using it as an example. So somebody's a night person, somebody's a morning person. All right? That means somebody wakes up early and starts to go early. Some other person sleeps late, so he can't wake up early. So in sometimes, that simple thing I mentioned that can be a big problem because if he's a morning person, he would like to do most of the important things in his life in the morning. So he wants to pray in the morning, for instance. She's not awake. He, he, he wants to... Ha- eh? She's what? She's one that wants to pray in the morning, and you are not awake. I even see him for your eyes. You're a bad boy. I know. I know you're a bad boy. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> you know? The morning person, too, doesn't mind having sex in the morning. But the night person, too, you can't participate actively in anything reasonable. You can't even have a reasonable conversation with them after until 12 in the afternoon. So it happens like that. In my house, it happens like that. My wife, from 9 p.m., if you're talking to her, at your own risk. From 9 p.m. Because you hear, <gasps> After the after three ha ha yeah <sighs> straight you don't go with that now road today <laughs> so if you're having a serious conversation after nine p.m. at your own risk but for me I'm usually awake to two a.m. three a.m. so if you're talking to me by nine a.m. you're wasting your time I'm not my best I don't even know myself who is talking hello who is speaking say I don't I'm sure I don't even know who is speaking because I don't even know me who am I please tell me because I don't even know who I am by nine a.m. I'm not awake I'm I'm I'm, I'm still dazed. My day really starts from around 12. Does somebody get what I'm saying? So the key is that you complement, you compromise, you know, you find a meeting point. And that's the way God designed it. And the concept is that everything you have, everything you have, both of you now have it. And it, you are totally dependent because now you don't have a right hand anymore. So anything that regards right hand in your life, you are 100% dependent on this guy. So you must trust this guy. These are the things singles don't know. They rush into marriage to a person they don't trust. 
you give your life to somebody and you hide your money in, a, in an account. Do you understand? You know that many people like that. I love you. I, take me, the whole of me. But you have a secret account. So your money is more valuable than you. You hid your money, but you gave yourself. You should be the other way around. You should give your money and even hide yourself. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's got, you, you are marrying someone you don't trust. Because you are, for the rest of your life, you are going to depend on this guy's right hand. For the rest of your life. You need to know that, number one, he will do the right thing. Number two, he will be available to you. That I'm saying total dependence, total availability. That means if he can do something for you. Imagine. Imagine people that don't have hands. You know, there are some things. I've seen people like that that have no hand, too. I've seen people like that. And I wonder, that means they have to actually depend on some other people totally. You can't say I vex, I go get one hand. If you don't want to do, I go do, I go do it myself. No, you can't do that. No hand. Or some people that have no leg. You can't vex. I say, if you don't want to do it for me. No, I can't vex. I need you. That's what marriage is. You are totally dependent on anything concerning right hand, though, that this guy will come through for you. And anything concerning left hand, he needs to be 100. And that's what covenant, that's why God said, this, all, this relationship can only work when it's a covenant, when the two of them know what they're getting into, unfortunately, many people are entering into it without knowing what they're getting into. They're marrying for the wrong reasons. Because I'm getting old. Because my, my neighbors are married. Because it's Christmas period. There are reasons people are getting married. So that's why they are done. They are done. They are done. It's a, it's, a, it's a covenant that you can't come out of. And you see, when you are joined like this, try to walk. Walk like towards me. Towards me. When you are joined like this, you have to be conscious of the other person. You can't walk, sorry, stop. You can't walk at your own pace anymore. You want your single, just walk anyhow. Ah, you reach somewhere, uh, they chop and they jam. You just pull your bed and chop, you don't think. Or you are somewhere with the boys, it's 10 o'clock, you don't mind, you stay there and you're just sitting. You see, when you are joined like this, every move you make, you have to now be conscious that there's somebody with you. So you can't go at your own pace. You go at our pace. If somebody get what I'm saying, turn around. Do you understand? You are now more conscious that you are with somebody else. I'm thinking of doing this thing for couples in a couple's camp. Let in a whole day, let them be tight. Because some, some men, when you see the way they are working with their wife, it's true. You and your wife come out from the car. They leave the wife behind. They are just matching. Have you seen those men? The wife is at the back, carrying because she has bag. She has her tie. She's, and she's more delicate. She has to walk there. The man don't walk like soldiers. Meet me. Meet me there. If you meet me. See, that one has not been trained to understand that you are working with somebody. You might be able to work faster on your own. But if you are going to work further, you need somebody else. You need somebody else. So, you will consciously slow down your speed to keep up with the person you are with. Your life is no longer your own when you are in a covenant. Stand like this so that they can see you. Come back to where you are. Your life is no longer your own when you are in a covenant. It's no longer your own. There are three major differences between a covenant and a contract. Three major differences. No, there, in fact, no, sorry, there are about seven major differences. But I'm going to touch only three in this service because I don't have time. Number one, in a contract, you are seeking your own good. But in a covenant, you are seeking the good of the other person. When you are signing a contract, when you bring your own lawyer, they are checking for how the contract favors you. That's what they are there to do. Not to, for the other person. But in a covenant, is totally different. You are in a covenant because of what you want to do for the other person. 
So that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7. It said, the person that is single is bothered with only how to please the Lord, but the person that is married is concerned how he will please his spouse. Did you bring that up? So, in this covenant, because if you look at the Bible, everything about marriage is talking from a covenant standpoint. That's the problem we have generally in Christianity these days. People are looking at the Bible from a casual standpoint, from a friendship. It's a covenant. When you understand that the whole Bible is written for you based on covenant, it's not for the person on the streets. And if you're getting what I'm saying. Because that's why people are arguing about tight. It's not for you. It's not for you at all. If you understand that you're not even your own, you can't be arguing about your money being your own. When you understand that you, you're not even your own. And if you're getting what I'm saying. You're saying how much you put on. You are even you, you are in the offering basket. Oh, somebody didn't get what I said. When you understand that, it changes everything. The whole Bible and marriage in the Bible is written. When they say, oh, wife submits, husband's love. I don't have time to go into that today. When you see people arguing, why should I submit? It's not for you. The people that understand the terms of the covenant, they understand what it means. What does submission mean? It doesn't mean you're a fool. It doesn't mean that you don't have a voice. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. That's not the context. So both the man and the woman need to understand it. The context of, the, of, of submit and love is talking about there is a covenant initiator. In any covenant, one person is the one that says, I want to marry you. Am I correct? We don't say it the same day. One, two, three, go. I want to marry you. Is that what we do? No. It's usually one person that initiates. And the scripture shows us, it said, therefore shall who? A man. Scripture gives us light in that. That is the man that chooses. We see it also from Adam. It wasn't God that gave Eve to Adam. It was Adam that took Eve from God. Oh, somebody understand that. God never gave Adam to um, Eve to Adam. God brought Eve. Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I go take her. So he took it. He is the one that claimed it. God didn't say you must marry her. God never said anything. He is the one that took it. I said, this is my own. Somebody get what I'm saying? So Adam or the man was the initiator. Now listen. If you are the initiator, I'm trying not to be distracted because there are many things I want to cover. If you are the initiator, you must have an offer. Do you enter a deal with somebody when you don't even know the deal? So let's sign a deal. Yes, what deal? No, I don't know, but they just sign. Is that how they do deal? In a deal, I offer that, oh, I want to sell this speaker. There's a deal. Do you understand, sir? When somebody's saying, I want to marry you, he's offering something. And when you are saying, I do, you are saying, I submit myself to this offer. Now, you have a right to choose who you will submit to. They didn't impose it on you too. You chose that, I like this guy. Why are Nigerians leaving Nigeria to go to Canada? You are choosing not to submit in Nigeria, but you want to go and submit. You are choosing the leader in Canada. Do you understand? That's what you are doing. You can't now read the Canada and say, I'm not going to obey any law in this country. Do you do that? No. You get there and you find out, oh, this is where they drive. You start driving there. It's submission. Everybody is submitting already. The difference is that in marriage in particular, in Nigeria, you all of us didn't choose to be here. If we choose to be here, we'll all be in uh, Toronto now. They born us here by mistake. But when it comes to marriage, <laughs> <my brother. laughs> but when it comes to marriage, the difference is that you choose the president you are going to submit to. As a woman, you choose. It's like when you go to the salon, there are many women making hair. You choose the one you want to make your hair. And the moment you choose her, she will start controlling you. Sit down. That's a woman that says, she can't submit. She's submitting now. Sit down. Turn left. Look down. This is your hair. You didn't wash it well, oh. Should I wash again? Bend your neck. 
She's obeying instruction. Why? Because she chose to submit to this hairdresser. And anything that is a teller, she obeys. That's what submission is. not that they're punishing you. It's not need hands up. It's not anything I say in this. No, that's not what the context is. The context is that this man is making an, an offer. You agree to this offer. Allow him carry out the offer. That's what submission is about. Doesn't mean you're an inferior human being. Somebody get what I'm saying? When you enter a car, you know you've submitted. Anybody driver stop? We stop. You can't say me, I'm still moving over my own leg. No. If you driver say, I want to buy fuel, I go pack here, buy fuel. We are all what? Packing here. From the day you enter the car, you have what? Agreed to submit. There's only one steering in the car. If it's a fool driving, you must enjoy the foolish driving that day. Because now you get your leg entered. You get what I'm saying? That's what submission is. So you imagine somebody entered a, a car and not dragging the steering with the driver. Why you enter the car? You're supposed to have checked his driver's license and asked other passengers. He well. <laughs> I don't have time because it's a long story. I have to round up what I'm saying. What I'm going to teach today is too long for one day. So that's what they ask the context here. They are one. He is the covenant initiator. She's the covenant acceptor. And there is a covenant officiator. In every covenant. There's the initiator. This is why he's the head of the home. Because he started the home. That's why. It's not because he's smarter. Most times you know that even the men are not usually smarter than the women. In fact, if you ask my opinion. Me, I know that women are generally faster and smarter than men. (laughs) Okay. That's a different story. So, him being the head doesn't mean he's smarter. Him being the head means he's the initiator. He started the family now. He's the one that said he wants to start the family and you agreed. So, he leads. Initiator, acceptor, officiator. I want to talk about differences with contract, but I'll have to skip it. Listen to first service message if you want. So, I'll quickly go to, if you are married, Everything you have belongs to her. Everything she has belongs to you. That's another major difference between uh, contract and covenant. In a contract, there is limited sharing. In a covenant, there is unlimited sharing. What does that mean? In a contract, if, I'm, if I have a contract with my landlord, it's limited to the house I'm renting from him. He has no right to come and be telling me about the school my children should go to. That's none of his business. Our business is regarding this house I'm renting. But in unlimited sharing, which is a covenant, everything. So from that day... Your phone is no longer your phone. It's our phone. When you see a couple saying, you can't check my phone. Mm-mm, it's not my phone. It's, my, it's our phone. It's unlimited sharing. It's our money. That's the context. It's our money. It's our family. You can't be saying that, uh, what mommy say? We're going to do what mommy say. No. He said, you shall leave father and mother and do what? Cleave to your wife. So this comes first. Your marriage comes first. Before your mother. So, if you are in a position where your spouse is not keeping any part of the covenant, maybe he's not honoring you, he's not making himself available to you the way he should, maybe you are not dependent, whatever it is, there's sharp trouble going on in the marriage. Listen, the principal thing you ought to do is, number one, report him or her to the covenant officiator. It is wrong to take the laws into your hands. In any society, even in football, if somebody kick you and you kick him back, the person that retaliated is the one that gets the red card. Do you understand? They punish you more for retaliating. I don't know if somebody gets what I'm saying. 
So it happens like that. If somebody is offending me and I go and beat him, it's me that will be punished more. My job is to report him to the officiator. It's a covenant. See, when it must be active in your mind, it's not just a union. It's not an association. It's not tradition. Marriage is not tradition. It existed before your tradition. Somebody get to what I'm saying? It started from the first man and first woman. Was your tradition in Genesis chapter 1? Calm down now, chief. Some red cap chief. Calm down. Before your cap and before your whatever. The Bible existed now. From creation. Marriage was there and there, there were templates of how it's supposed to be run. Today we've allowed tradition and culture scatter it. So divorce rates are shooting over, all over the place. So, you know, so when there's off- somebody's offending the other, your job is not to fight for yourself. That's not how a covenant works. When you're fighting for yourself, it's proof that you don't believe there's an officiator in charge. Your job is to report the person to the officiator. It's called prayer. You say, hey, Lord, based on your word, this is what I'm entitled to, but this guy is depriving me. I want you to fight for me. Look, God is capable of fighting. Many people, you know, they, they pity God. They, they help God. He is capable of fighting for himself. Anytime you get involved, you stop him from working. Check through our scripture, especially when it comes to marriage. I will give you two or three examples as fast as I can. Malachi chapter 2. The Bible said their offering was no longer being accepted and the men were crying. Why is God not blessing our business? God said, because of how you look at this. Yet you say, wherefore? God said, because I have been a witness, officiator, between you and what? The wife of your youth. Against whom you have dealt what? Treacherously. You have been dealing with her badly. So God said, I'm a witness. I'm, I'm the officiator. He said, Yet she is your companion and the wife of your word, covenant. God is very crazy about covenant. So God stopped blessing them. This Old Testament, Abi, you'll see First Peter chapter 3. Same concept. He said, husbands, treat your wife according to knowledge or else your prayers will be hindered. Look at this. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, that's your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor. Unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. He said, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that what? Do you understand? The covenant of Shetha said, I'm going to stop all his prayer access. I'm going to stop answering his prayer if he doesn't treat you right. Women, that's better for you, for God to fight for you, than for you to fight for yourself. Most women would rather use their mouths as the weapon of mass destruction. And the man who had that stone wall, blank you, log out and move out, coming back late in the night every day, or he will shut them out with an anointed slap. <laughs> so, be still. And... <laughs> I don't support beats in any shape or form. I'm just saying. But it does happen. Those are the things that cause it. The woman wants to fight for herself. Mm, report him. That's number one. Number, uh, number in, in Abraham's time, Genesis chapter 20, there was one king that went to take Sarah, Abraham's wife. Abraham got to a new town. He didn't know how things were in that town. He told Sarah that, let's say we are sisters. I don't want them to kill me because of you. Because Sarah was very fine. Very, very fine girl. I know the boy that girl. Very fine girl. She was just fine like that. They disturb everybody. So, say Abraham was born. He said, they will kill me because of you. That's how fine she was. You know, how many daughters of Sarah are here? Okay, there are not many. Thank you for those of you that are here. <laughs> the few that are here. God bless you. So, <laughs> you know, so the king now saw Sarah true true and she was that fine true true and she took uh, her true true to his house. 
when he took her to his house, the covenant officiator that defends marriage, because marriage is the strongest covenant that there is on the earth. The Bible said the man had a dream at night. Abraham was wrong. Abraham did not even pray. He was wrong by denying his wife. God didn't consult him. God defended the covenant. God is crazy about the covenant. God went to appear to that king and say, you are a dead man. If you touch that woman, you are dead. Because she's married. And God said, the only reason why I have not even killed you is because I know you didn't know. If say you know, you go see my true color, I swear. <laughs> if say you know, not be like this, you go to talk. I'm going to change them for you. And the guy quickly released the, the woman. You see, God fought for Abraham without Abraham being there. Wives need to learn that. Stop fighting for yourself. Isn't God is not showing up in your case that you are on the steering. Two people can never sit on the steering. You must come down for another one to enter. Two people can't sit on the steering. So let God fight. Number two, you need to do after you report to God, you keep doing the right thing. It's important you keep doing the right thing. You can't be doing the wrong thing and be reporting the wrong thing. You must do your own part. So keep loving. Keep being humble. Keep being loving. Keep being respectful. Keep doing your part. That's what allows God to move. You see it also in First Peter 3, from verse 1 and, and down. It says, those of you that are married to an unbelieving spouse or your spouse is not, be, not, not, not obeying the word of God, it says you just love them and submit to them and be nice to them, that your, by your behavior, God will touch their hearts. Is somebody there? Quick, let me talk to the singles. If you're single, you must understand, if you're going to pick who to marry, one of the things you must check is whether they also have a covenant mentality. Since you understand marriage is a covenant and you are willing to give yourself fully to this person, one of the things you must be asking is that this person, do they also have a covenant mindset? Because it doesn't make sense for one person to enter marriage with another person and both of them don't have the same mindset. Are you here, somebody? So if you're a believer, make sure you marry another believer. That's why the Bible says you cannot be unequally yoked together with what? A non-believer. Did you bring it on the screen, please? So if you're a Christian, born again Christian, you can't marry someone that's not a born-again Christian. You're not going to stress yourself. He doesn't believe what you believe. Look at it here. Be you not unequally yoked together with who? Unbelievers. For what fellowship had what? Righteousness or righteousness. And what communion had what? Light. Go to the next verse. I like the next verse. He said, and what agreement has Christ with what? Belial. Belial is Satan. Why, why did they use Christ and Belial? Because if you're a Christian, you are in a covenant with Christ. So everything Christ is and everything Christ has is in you. You are carrying that to go and join with somebody that doesn't have that agreement. They call it an unequal yoke. An unequal yoke. It's very stressful. So be asking, I want to enter a covenant with this person. One of the things to check is, how are they dealing with other covenants in their own life? Because they are already covenants they are in before you. For instance, their covenant relationship with their parents. How is that going? Check that out. Because the Bible says when you honor your father and mother, it says the first commandment with what? Promise. It says it will be well with you and you will live longer. That's a covenant agreement. How you treat your parents is a covenant agreement. So check how they are treating their parents now. Check how they are treating their parents now. 
Are they ashamed of their parents? Are their parents hidden in the village? They are using iPhone 12 in town. Their parents are hungry in the village. Somebody get what I'm saying? Check their covenant relationship with the church. Be afraid of people that tell you that God is in the heart. I love God, but I hate churches. I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Be careful of those things. I love God. God sees my heart. I love God. But these Nigerian pastors, I hate churches. That makes no sense, and I'll tell you why. The reason is because Christ is the head of the church. I mean, Christ is the head, and the church is the body of Christ. Somebody cannot love Christ and not love his church. They are one and the same. So I'm looking out for, if Christ died for this person and he still can't serve Christ, is it me that I'm not even fully dead that he will serve? He said he's a Christian and he goes to church and he never pays tight. If once you talk about money, his artery, you are touching his artery. Ah, he has problem keeping covenants. Somebody get what I'm saying? Those are the things to check for. And in case you have never seen people come in, you are feeling, oh, I'm single, I'm not, I've not seen any eligible person. Look, you are in a covenant with God. In a covenant, eh, everything the person has is your own. You can draw from it. Somebody getting this? It's part of what a covenant is. Anything you have, if I need it, you must give me. That's why, did you notice when God told Abraham to kill Isaac? Did you notice that Abraham didn't complain? How many of you noticed Abraham didn't complain? Does that make sense normally? How many of you noticed that even Isaac didn't complain? Does that make sense normally? If he was, if they didn't know something, you know what would happen? God would tell Abraham, Abraham, kill Isaac. Abraham would say, I don't hear. One week after, God would say, Abraham, I never see you. He said, ah, the, the answer's protest though. Answer's protest, they don't burn to gate. I don't know if he pass. He will keep making excuses. He won't agree. This is only son. Like, wait a minute, five years son. The hair of his, of his lineage is the only son he has. He won't agree. Do you notice there was no resistance? God told him on the night, early the next morning, he carried Isaac. Sarah too didn't complain. Did you notice? If it's today, go and tell your wife, honey, we want to kill Junior tomorrow as sacrifice. <laughs> now you go first die, Abraham. You, death don't they? You, don't, you won't die. You won't die. Your wife will first kill you before you kill Isaac. And if, let's say, 12, I won't agree. Carry Isaac on a rich road. Isaac asks, like the story says, now where are we going? He says, won't go sacrifice you. Isaac will say, you, you do well. <laughs> when you drop him, say, you won't go peace. You go see Isaac for Utopia. <laughs> you don't use leg, reach it, you don't run. You can never wait. Somebody get what I'm saying? But you see that all of them agreed. Do you know why? Because in, they, are, they were already familiar with how a covenant works. In a covenant, anything, you can ask him for anything I own. And me too, I can ask you for anything you own. And Abraham explained in the book of Hebrews that why it was easy for him to kill Isaac was that he knew that God could raise him up. Because God has power to raise the dead. I go kill him, you go raise him. Small do. That's why. That's how a covenant works. So when I see people complaining about, I didn't give God something, the it, covenant doesn't work like that. So, if, I'm saying this, that if you're a single person and you're saying, I'm looking for a husband and wife, very simple, very simple. You serve a God that has resources. You have a right. There are scriptural grounds. He that finds a wife finds a good thing 
And the Bible also says that those that are righteous will not lack any good thing. You have scripture to say, Lord, I trust you to supply husband or supply wife. And you must be in faith and go and rest. And believe that he will supply it. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? And he will truly supply it. And I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice. If you are single and trusting God for who to marry today, based on our covenant with God, God has resources. We ask that your husband or your wife be shown to you in the name of Jesus. Let that connection take place in the name of Jesus. If you are married here and your marriage is going through stress, today I speak peace into your marriage in the name of Jesus. We invoke the power of the covenant officiator. He will fight for you in that home in the name of Jesus. Your husband will behave better. Your wife will behave better in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412 or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.